Hey friends, thanks for listening to the City Network Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Before we get to the episode, I want to take a moment to tell you about the Soul Care Prayer Summit happening April 22nd to 24th up at Quaker Hill in McCall. The summit is for men and women who serve as leaders and missionaries in the Treasure Valley. This is a space created for you as a visionary leader to hear from God and care for your soul. And it's not just for pastors. It's for anyone who has a vision for kingdom transformation in their sphere of influence. We want to create a space for you and your spouse to pray over that and to pray for our valley together as a unified church trying to reach our communities with the gospel. We're also helping with childcare this year, so let us know on the registration form if that's a need for your family. Go to thecitynetwork.org slash soulcare to register. And now for today's episode. Since I've been leading on my own in Portugal for the last seven years to come into a new staff culture and learn how they're doing it, the whys behind it, and asking a lot of questions, um, it helped us coming from Portugal and feeling just a little tired to be in ministry, be supported while still having some rest time to get ready to launch again and not feeling like I just needed to be on right off the bat, right when we came back from the mission field. Um, and yeah, so I would I would say through it all, the big focus has just been learning, learning and resting while preparing for what's ahead of us. You're listening to the City Network Podcast. Our mission is to grow and multiply healthy churches in the Treasure Valley and beyond. Head to thecitynetwork.org for more info on our initiatives to catalyze church transformation and church planting. Here's today's podcast. All right. Hey, City Network. Uh, Welcome back to the City Network Podcast. Uh, my name is Alyssa Statlander, and I am the communications director at the City Network. And I am here today with one of our recent church planters, Logan Shields. Hey, Logan. Yeah, it's great to be here with you. Great to be here with you as well. So, Logan, um, you sent me your bio, and it seems as if you are a seasoned church planter. Um, Logan has planted in Nashville and Portugal. And then, very similar to Portugal, Meridian. Uh, and I would love to hear, uh, just to start, um, yeah, hear about your experience church planting, the story of this church plant you're doing right now, um, and how that has been different from the other times you've church planted in the past. Just tell me about that journey. How did you How did you get here yeah. in Meridian? So um, I come from a Portuguese family. Uh, my mother is from Portugal. And um, so when I had become a follower of Jesus, it was we were really on that trajectory of going to the mission field and, and planting there. And, and at that time, I had gone through some theological changes and decided that I'd like to go back to uh, seminary and do my master's there. And so I went to Asbury Theological Seminary and got my master's in, in the arts of leadership. In that time, it's Asbury is a Wesleyan school. I got to know John Wesley and was shocked to find out that he died Anglican. And at the time, really didn't know anything about that. And so uh, really started looking into that. And that kind of put us on a, a journey there. And as we were finishing up um, our work in Portugal, handing over the church to local leadership, uh, started reaching out to some leaders in my life. And at the time, there was uh, the bishop of the Diocese of the Rocky Mountains that I, I had known, and he had asked me a couple times uh, to consider coming to Meridian. And 
we're originally from Northern Utah and I had no idea what or where Meridian even was. And I remember telling him, I'm not really a rural pastor. I don't think it'd be a good fit. Uh, I didn't know that it was basically we're in Boise and it was a perfect fit. And coming from Northern Utah, we understand very well the culture and we feel very much at home while still having new scenery. So uh, that was really neat. So we had gotten contact here with local leadership, uh, Christ the Redeemer in Nampa and had done some interviews and just prayed about it and felt like this was where God was leading us next. Uh, it was a perfect fit for just who we are, where we were as a family, um, and really the team that we would eventually be put on to lead here. Uh, just looking back, just seeing the working of the Holy Spirit guiding this all. Yeah, that's great. So how does how does planting I like hearing from people who plant with denominations because it's often pretty different than people who who uh, are more independent or non-denominational. Um, I talked, I had a podcast with Josh Kramer and April Coleman from Resurrection Covenant. Um, and it was interesting hearing about um, planting as a covenant church. Um, but I'd love to hear a little bit about like, what what is it, what's the process like planting with the Anglican denomination? What's that like? Yeah. So our last two church plants were non-denominational, uh, okay. so we're completely independent. We worked with different networks, such as the City Network, but um, in Nashville, and then with a interdenominational non-denom missions organization in Portugal. We were employed by them, but worked with other churches as well, and kind of a network of people. Coming here, uh, it really the big difference for us is the support that we've received. Um, our mm -hmm. diocese particularly is a very missional diocese um, and they focus on church planning. Half of our budget in the entire diocese goes to church planning. And so part of a huge benefit was that I got to be here for a year just as a residency to get to know, because I was very new to the Anglican church. I wasn't even an Anglican at the time. Uh, and they fully paid for my salary and have continued to support my salary uh, through the next couple of years. Um, on top of that, different, you know, our rent and, and things like that. So immediately we had financial support. We had uh, emotional and pastoral and spiritual support. Mm -hmm. And I have been part of networks and I, I love church planning networks and, and for example, what we're doing here. Um, but it, it's harder to get sometimes the more pastoral support you need because so many people are really on their own where being part of our denomination with a, a in a really historical early church governance, the Episcopal governance, having a bishop, pastors, etc. cetera. Uh, I have a personal pastor in my life, uh, our bishop, with other leaders under him who function in different ways. The What we would call the canon for church planting, who's my mentor. That's just a fancy term for saying someone appointed by the bishop to help in church planting in our diocese. Um, leaders for deacons, leaders for theology, all these different things. And so it, it's a constant tight network of people that I'm able to consult with, ask questions with, and that check on me really regularly uh, just for care. So I think that's been huge game changer for us coming here in the last year. Yeah, that would, that would make sense that, and especially when you're coming to a new city or you haven't been before, um, that helps so much to come in and have people who are like, okay, we're going to take care of you and we're going to help you and be your friend. And support you and give you that pastoral care because i know Absolutely. that can be, you hear that so often from church planners that can be so lonely so that's yeah. good yeah um so speaking of things being lonely sometimes um can you talk to me this this time around um 
with this Meridian church plant, what has been a couple of uh, struggles or things that have been really, really tricky moving here and starting this work? Hugely when you move to a new area, um, the, the difficulty often is just meeting people and building that team. For us, we had a group of people who were originally part of the church in Nampa who had said they wanted to be part of the plant. Um, it was a long process getting me here. So uh, a couple of years later, uh, I think things had changed and not any of these families were actually now going to be part of the plant. And so that was that was mm. difficult and a big surprise. You know, people move, people get settled in a church, whatever. Life happens. And um, so we got here and really we didn't have those people that I was expecting, but obviously part of a part of our denomination and part of a, a local sending church, there were other people who would eventually come be part of this team. And so uh, God had really provided in this time, despite those changes, but that was for a little bit, just kind of scary and, and difficult thinking that we had something there and it would just, we would have it. It would just look differently. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about those, like working in life with God and how we think, okay, we have this, we got it all set up. It's good to go. And then God is so often like, um, you do have it, but we're going to do it a little bit different. It's going to be a little different way. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to provide for you. Um, so can you, can you tell me about, about maybe some brighter spots where you've seen God move? Um, really specifically in this. Yeah. So I would really say with the team of people who's come with us, um, we've had a lot of new people recently joining the team and, uh, it's been an incredibly diverse group, um, people, young singles, young families with no kids, young families, and even empty nesters. Uh, so it's been really a diverse group and that's been a blessing, We've seen people come be a part of it who maybe weren't so engaged in their faith before and now have been very engaged. And so that's been very exciting, um, even before launching, just having and watching God move and disciple people in that environment um, and, and people who are just really hungry to be used by God. Uh, honestly, uh, I'm thinking of a, a couple of new families who have come and are, have just been very excited about the mission, very excited about how we kind of do things in a unique way as in an evangelical Anglican church, the historical liturgy, and yet in modern worship and kind of informal about it. And and so they're very excited about being part of something different and new and have just said, look, put me where you need help, you know, and and they're excited to invite their friends. And and we've really tried to keep at front the, the mission of reaching those who are far from Jesus. And they're very excited to be able to get into that now as we're getting ready to launch right now. That's great. Um, What has been, um, as you're seeing these people come, as you're holding space for that, uh, the mission of reaching um, your, the city and your neighborhood, um, what, how would you describe your vision that you have um, for this church and for your community? Yeah. So for, for our church, Christ the King, I would say um, our, our probably target audience would be young families, um, really just based on who we have. Uh, and we say that our mission is to see Christ glorified, family strengthened, 
lives changed in the city transformed by proclaiming the good news of Jesus as King. Uh, and so we kind of live out our five core values are uh, to be Jesus-centered, radical hospitality, community engagement, family discipleship, and mentally engaged. Um, and so I think that kind of lends, uh, as, as people have been drawn to that, um, seeing the the young professional, the young families engaged. And for, for me, I'm asking the question, Lord, what are the felt needs of our community? And knowing, and many of the listeners will know this, is that here in the Treasure Valley, we have a lot of people moving in here from different states, different areas, thinking that the city itself is going to provide what they need and what their family needs. And that often is, I want a more conservative culture for my kids, is probably one of the top reasons why people are coming in. And for those who are coming in, just thinking a cultural change is really going to be the fix for their family. We believe that that's not it that what they need is a life-giving relationship with Jesus. And so you have families coming in, for example, that might be struggling in marriage, struggling in parenting, struggling with whatever. And so we're saying, how do we help in those needs to be able to see them strengthened in their families, but make Jesus known? And so those are the kind of questions that we're asking with our leadership at this time is how can we start reaching out, equipping families uh, and leading them to Jesus and equipping them really to disciple their own kids, that it's not the mentality of just show up, drop your kids off, but we want to be equippers of, we want you to be leading prayer. We want you to be leading uh, it with scripture and, and, and bringing this into the home. And so being part of the Anglican communion, we have some different resources for that, uh, book of common prayer, family liturgies, things like that, that people can do at home on our church app. We make it really easy. Hey, click here and just lead this over dinner or something like that. And families are really engaging with that. And so we're excited to push that out into the community uh, and really reach people through those felt needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, where are you guys, where is your building located? Do you have a building yeah. yet? You have yeah, so one. we're using, yeah, we're meeting in the evening, Sunday evenings okay. at 6.15 p.m. using um, our friends Grace Foursquare in okay. Meridian. Okay. And, and so, yeah, that's at 224 zero east franklin road a great location and we have a great relationship with them yeah that's awesome i love it's so cool to hear about um churches just partnering together and like what you were saying something i love about working for city network is really getting to talk to people and be like there is truly like you know we say that phrase like citywide discipleship but it is yeah so encouraging hearing from other leaders who are you know, wanting to cultivate that spirit of discipleship and the culture of discipleship in their community and being out, um, you know, reaching the lost and teaching about all those things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's great to hear. Um, So can you talk about what has partnership? You've mentioned it a few times, um, but what has partnership look like for you? Who's partnered with you um, as you've come, as you planted um, and who has, yeah, who's helped you along your way? The obvious uh, answers would be the Holy Trinity, Anglican in Boise and Christ Redeemer in Nampa, part of our diocese. Um, But what's been really encouraging, coming from Portugal, we had almost no churches that wanted to partner. Um, We tried doing inter-church youth group events and things like that. And for a place with most youth groups only having three, four kids, we thought this would be incredibly encouraging and no no one really wanted to work with us. And yet we've come here and we've had a very different experience in the Treasure Valley than I have um, either in Utah, where I'm from, Nashville, or especially in Portugal. Um, a lot of pastors and churches have really 
uh, reached out and have been very warm and welcoming and saying, how can we help you? And even putting their money where their mouth is. City Network has done that for us um, and offering babysitting and just help making sure that we're healthy. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think of uh, the leadership at Harvest in Meridian, um, uh, Boise Church with Scott and um, Robert, obviously, uh, Frazier at Redemption Hill and some others who have just been incredibly encouraging, uh, praying, asking what we need um, and and saying, hey, what what even what resources do you need that we could see if we are able to meet those uh, at this time. And so I think that has been, it helps with the resources, but I think emotionally, spiritually, that feeling of not being alone and, and that people truly care about the kingdom mm-hmm. more than just their local outpost or their local church, uh, is, is very encouraging at this time, especially when early on you have a lot of reasons to be discouraged sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I'm loving hearing in your story, Logan, is, you know, we talk at City Network about the four R's, um, which are relationship, residency, resources. Oh, no. And the fourth one. Oh, no, it's escaping my mind. Do you know what the fourth one is? I don't. Shoot. I talk about the four R's all the time. I'm on the spot now. I'm trying to look it up, though. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I have to see or else I'm going to lose my mind. It's on the website. Let's see. Reproducing. Reproducing. Oh, that's the most obvious one. (laughs) Wow. I should have known. That is literally, that's the number one one. Um, That's why probably I forgot it. Uh, But what I was going to say is I love hearing your story. You've mentioned all four of those things. Um. And I think you mentioned residency, which is, I feel like the R that we don't hardly talk about much, you know, people where we share a lot about like, here's how I was given resources. Here's people who partnered with me. And then obviously you're church planting. So you have a reproduction and like reproducing mindset. Um, But I'd love to hear a little bit more about the residency piece, um, just because that's something that we don't, we don't hear about often. Yeah. So ours is uh, particular to our diocese. It's reproducible by anybody, but obviously it's part of our diocese. So me coming in, um, a big part of this, uh, of my leadership would be going through an ordination process. And so uh, that residency required one year at Christ the Redeemer to just participate in the life of the church, see how they're doing things. What does it mean to church plant in an Anglican ethos? Um, and and be trained up and make sure the person is actually ready. Uh, as we've seen in the last years, there's been so many big church leaders who have just had moral failures, crash and burn, things like that. And our diocese is very committed to making sure people have been tested, um, vetted, and and built up. And so we take the ordination process pretty seriously. So part of that or- ordination, as I said, was being part of Christ the Redeemer and the worship life there, but as well as going through exams, having um, mm-hmm. psych, marriage evaluations, all these different things. And not to simply vet someone out, but often for the majority to say, okay, how can we build you up now in this next year? So that's been it for me. Um, during that, the things I was doing outside of the exams and worshiping with them was I would be preaching uh, periodically at Christ the Redeemer and Holy Trinity and Boise, and then having times with leadership and saying, hey, here's how you can grow. Here's ways. Encouraging as well, now that you're moving into Meridian, uh, be identifying 
two, three guys that you want to start discipling? And, and what does that look like? So a lot of weekly to bi-weekly follow-up, how things are going throughout these processes and preparing for the launch of the church that would eventually happen um, just over the year since the residency started. Yeah. And how, how would you say that that has, um, like for you as a pastor and a church planter, how was the residency helpful for you? Oh, wow. Hugely. Um, for someone coming into the Anglican church and had almost solely a non-denominational background, there was a lot of learning. I felt like a student again, back in Bible college or seminary. Uh, so that it helped me on a practical side there. Uh, it helped to just be with another staff team since I've been leading on my own in Portugal for the last seven years to come into a new staff culture and learn how they're doing it, the whys behind it, and asking a lot of questions. Um, it helped us coming from Portugal and feeling just a little tired to be in ministry, be supported while still having some rest time to get ready to launch again and not feeling like I just needed to be on right off the bat, right when we came back from the mission field. Um, and yeah, so I would I would say through it all, the big focus has just been learning, learning and resting while preparing for what's ahead of us. Oh, yeah, that's a good word. Yeah, we, we feel so often that we just got to do it all, you know, we got to constantly be going and going and going and it's hard to remember to be like, oh, you know, you're allowed to like have a rest moment and Absolutely. that how how vital that is. Like it set you up so well to like step into the season of planting, but from a place of rest and not from like I'm already burnt out at the start of the plant. And I think a lot of church planters are naturally doers, um, entrepreneurial spirits, you know, apostolic mindsets. People will talk about it in different ways. And and we can go, go, go. And and either we can be burned out or even our family can. Um, and we have to be incredibly careful with that uh, and, and truly trusting. Jesus has called me to do a couple of things. One is just simply be faithful to him despite the results. And he didn't call me to plant churches. He called me to make disciples. And when we get that mindset backwards, we can really start to focus on the metrics that are the secondary in importance. Uh, and that means I'm focused on health and depth, not numbers. Um, and I'm focused on that for myself as well. And so I think that's, that's really encouraging needs to be encouraged for church planters to remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you just about answered my, just about answered my last question, uh, which was, uh, if you have a one sentence word of advice for church planters to close, um, what would that be? And then if you want to take a little part two, what would you, what's something you would say to church partners to offer better support for church planters? So sort of two parts, one for planters, yeah. one for partners. I'd say first, yeah, what I had just said, I'd say two things, uh, focus on making disciples, not planning a church, um, because that will change what your focus is naturally. And secondly, don't do it alone. Um, get rest and don't do it alone. Uh, we can idolize these big name church planners who seem like mavericks who have done everything on their own. And the backstory is almost never that that's the case. And if it is the case, it's normally the recipe for, for burnout. And so let's not think that we're Jesus and that we can do it like he would completely alone. Let's be one of the 12 in the group of the 12. And then 
I would say uh, for for supporters, yeah, I, I don't think that we could take we take seriously enough often in where I'm understanding the evangelical culture at this moment in the states in the importance of prayer. I think we're very busy. And uh, I look to our church, for example, just some of some of our DNA is that we are we're, we say that we're liturgical, we're sacramental, we're evangelical and we're charismatic. We're, we're, we're part of what we call the three stream movement in the Anglican church. And, and I look towards my charismatic brothers and sisters, and it's always encouraging to see the importance that they put in prayer. And so I would say as a partner, be that charismatic partner for them that you're a prayer warrior that you really take it seriously praying for their family as well and if you want to bless them just offer them a date night uh if they're married offer them an opportunity to watch their kids uh things like that i i think that alone can be just such an encouragement to planters mm-hmm. yeah those are great those are so good really practical and that's a good word well, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. I'm glad we could uh, finally make this happen. Um, so everybody, if you would like to connect with Christ the King or support them as they go into launch, you can always be praying for them. Um, you can donate at meridiananglican.com and find out more about what they're doing. Um, they are launching October 15th. Um, so send prayers their way. Um you could watch his children so him and his wife can go on a date night, as we've learned, um, or just connect with them um, at Meridian Anglican on Instagram or Facebook. Um, reach out to him that way. Um, we are so grateful for what God is doing in the city. Um, and it's always so encouraging to hear these conversations of people who are out there doing that good work of citywide discipleship. Well, thank you so much, Logan, and thank you, everybody, for listening, Um, and we will see you again soon. Thanks, Alyssa. Thanks for listening to the City Network Podcast. If you have any comments or questions, join the discussion on our Facebook group at thecitynetwork.org slash group, or sign up at the website to subscribe to updates from our blog and podcast.